Welcome to the Wandering Pilgrims podcast. My name is Courtney. I'm one-third of the Wandering Pilgrims. The other two-thirds are made up of our daughter and my husband, Josh, who you'll be hearing from on here as well. You will hear about lots of different topics on our podcast, from biblical discussions, book reviews, Christian travel, homeschooling resources, and so much more. You can also check out more of our travels and resources at our website, thewanderingpilgrims.com, and of course, lots of photos, videos, and resources on our social media pages, YouTube, and Rumble. Hope to see y'all there. Thanks for stopping by the Wandering Pilgrims podcast. y'all. Welcome to another Wandering Pilgrims book review. I'm excited about what we're reviewing today because it has been a uh, bestseller since it came out not too long ago. Fault Lines by Bodie Bauckham. So, Fault Lines. Uh, where to begin? Um, let's see. Well, Vodi Bauckham is a force for the Lord. Um, the Lord has used him mightily uh, through his ministry. Um, we've benefited from his sermons and ministry work for years. And with his personal upbringing and challenges he has faced throughout his life and career, as well as his educational background in social sciences, he's more than qualified to address the hot topics of CRT and critical social justice. After all, he has been talking a lot about these for close to 20 years, um, even before they even became a thing. If someone asked me what book that came out in 2021 they should read, Fault Lines would be at the top of my list, if not the number one spot. Now, of course, as Spurgeon says, Visit many good books, but live in the Bible. As always, the Bible should be what we're reading daily and praying for God to illuminate his word and hide it in our hearts. God's word helps us in many ways, including helping us to better read and understand his word and discern in other books we visit, whether they line up with the word of God and a biblical worldview. That being said, Fault Lines is something everyone should read, and a biblical worldview is one of the topics Bodhi Bauckham discusses in this book, as well as why it matters. I would challenge you, anybody listening to this, to read this book in its entirety, whether you agree with Pastor Bauckham or not. You won't get the full context without doing so, like many other books. <laughs> um, also, test it. Test it for yourselves. Test it against scripture and a biblical worldview, and test the statistics and data that are listed within the book. Um, above all, I encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ to see to it no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit 
according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ, as it says in Colossians. So test everything. Now, before we get too far into this, let me be clear about something right from the beginning. Racism is real and sinful. Pastor Vodibaka makes that very clear in his book and in his sermons and in his ministry. Hating someone for any reason is sinful. But I didn't come to these conclusions on my own or from fault lines or from reading literature supporting current movements or from any other source. I came to that conclusion because the Bible tells us we are one race who are all fallen and all sinful. Christ freely offers the gift of salvation for those who repent and believe. He offers it to all nations, tongues, and tribes, no exception. And if we're Christians, we are to love our neighbors and our enemies. And with just this small amount of biblical knowledge, it gives me enough to know these movements are not biblical. They elevate one person over another, spread malice and hatred, and certainly don't love their enemies, and sometimes not even their neighbors. I knew this going into fault lines. As always, Pastor Bauckham has helped me understand these current issues more fully and has helped equip me further with more scriptural evidence as to why these movements are not something a Christian should endorse or support. In Fault Lines, I found it refreshing and interesting to see Pastor Bauckham saying that culture is an important factor to consider. And when you consider the culture at large, it's easy to say that it certainly does need to change. Why? Well, because it seems to be devolving. People advocating for people who check certain boxes to give them a voice and yet shut down others who fit those same boxes and same criteria, but they shout them down because they don't agree with them. That doesn't improve society doesn't move anything forward. Put plainly, social justice isn't biblical justice. God hates injustice and falsehoods. Real justice requires truth, not narratives. Here are a few sections of scripture that describe biblical justice, which Pastor Bauckham listed in his book, Fault Lines. A single witness shall not suffer against a person for any crime or wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two or three witnesses shall a charge be established. See Deuteronomy 19, verse 15, Matthew 18, verse 16, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 1, 1 Timothy 5, verse 19, and Hebrews 10, verse 28. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. 
but in righteousness shall judge your neighbor. Leviticus 19.15 Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? John 7, verse 51. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Proverbs 18, verse 17. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Proverbs 18, 13. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Exodus 20, verse 16. God is truth. John 14, verse 6. His word is truth. John 17, verse 17. Psalm 119, verse 43, and verse 160. Now, I am by no means a scholar, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to connect these simple dots. If I'm a Christian, I believe and try to obey Scripture. That means I should not follow anything or anyone that is counter to Scripture. These verses say what biblical justice looks like. Are these movements calling for justice that matches biblical justice or for a different justice that fits a narrative? If it doesn't mesh, mesh with scripture, then by default, it's unbiblical and a Christian shouldn't be promoting it or be party to it. One of the other things I really appreciated in Fault Lines was that Pastor Bachram, as always, lays out a plethora of data and research and studies. And he does it in a way that it's easy to grasp and it comes in bite-sized pieces to where it's easy for somebody who's busy to read it and comprehend it. Um, and he gives all the footnotes so you can do the re research yourself. Pastor Bauckham compares and contrasts cases, court cases, both high profile and not, with multiple data points as well as objections and arguments that are common regarding these issues today. The critical social justice movement and all of the associated causes that fall under that umbrella can easily be summed up as a new false religion or cult. They fit all the marks of a false religion or cult. They create new terms or they redefine old terms with new meanings. They claim to have some secret knowledge that wasn't known or recognized until now. And that they can enlighten others if they will join their cause. They also stay close to what's acceptable as much as they can within mainstream circles. They do so to appeal to those who are more orthodox in hopes of drawing more followers from a section of society that might otherwise see through what's being said if it were stated plainly. All of these are tricks false teachers or false religions and cults and false movements have used in the past. This false religion or cult or movement, whatever you want to call it, even has its own hierarchy. It has its own martyrs. It has leaders. It has its own doctrine and theology. They have holy texts and even a false gospel. 
but there's no salvation in this religion or cult and their false gospel. There are only laws with boxes to check to ensure you meet their standard for membership or for inclusion. These movements offer no hope, no good news, no salvation, no true gospel. Let's consider CRT or critical race theory for a second. We've heard about it often in the news relating to it being introduced in government education, pushed by professors in colleges, and advocated for by politicians. But as Pastor Bauckham points out in this book, CRT has infiltrated most, if not all levels of the church. One of his examples was a 2018 speech presentation. I think the book used the word tirade by New Testament studies professor Jarvis Williams, who happens to teach at one of the most prominent SBC seminaries. Matt Chandler and David Platt are other examples given of mainstream pastors who in the past have begun discussing their white privilege and CRT relatively recent past, I might add. And we can't forget to mention Resolution 9, which Pastor Bauckham unpacks very well in Fault Lines. I knew it was done in what I could only describe as a political maneuver, but the extent was more than I realized. With the SBC holding their convention within a few weeks of this review, I urge anyone and everyone to read Fault Lines to better understand the truth behind how Resolution 9 came to be what it is and somehow made it before the messengers at all. But we can't forget that these ideas being pushed at the highest levels are also being pushed at the local levels now. There's curriculums being used in churches like Be the Bridge by Latasha Morrison. For example, they're promoting things within the church daily that don't mesh with scripture. And that's more of a local church issue. The theories and beliefs of this new religion or cult or movement also claim to be based on research. Yet, as Pastor Bauckham points out, they're often sourced from grievance studies, assumptions, anecdotes, and Marxist ideas. Grievance studies are not necessarily scientific in nature. Their purpose is almost always, to paraphrase a quote in the book, to use literature, language, and philosophy, and the like for some sort of political gain. Now, I can't say I was surprised to see that grievance studies were where a lot of these ideas come from. After all, I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever seen someone who was embedded in any of the social justice issues of the day who seemed happy or content. How about the leaders? 
when was the last time they weren't actively making the issue they champion political? Don't all of those associated with these mu movements use philosophy, anecdotal evidence, out of context, quotes and stats, etc.? They use all of those to defend their position. But what about the reality that it's common for the scientific method and these facts and statistics to have a double standard today in these movements, as well as in the media? Their position may be legitimate on an issue to, to some degree, depending on the issue and depending on what's being raised in the moment. But you can't defend it without in context non-anecdotal, factual, and testable information. Statistics, for instance, are quoted often. However, the full picture of those statistics must be presented. That's another thing Pastor Bauckham discusses and presents in this book that is both informative and refreshing. Pastor Bauckham takes on some of the lead authors of this current movement such as Robin D'Angelo, Natasha Morrison, and Ibram X. Kendi, just to name a few. There's quite a few more he discusses in the book. He does a great job explaining and dissecting their arguments. This was very helpful in understanding the views and stances of these movements in a clear way. The argument these leaders make is that racism is not how we viewed it throughout history, simply an individual, personal, person-to-person -person issue. They view it as something that's now ingrained in every aspect of society. And as stated in Fault Lines, the idea is that today we have racism that can present without racists. These movements aren't fighting individuals or groups of individuals who are simply full of sinful, irrational hate for others. They believe they're fighting a racist system. There are so many issues right now, both within and outside the church, but we must attack the roots from which these issues come. And that's worldview. A humanistic, evolutionary, Marxist, secular worldview versus a biblical worldview. Do we believe what the Bible says? That we're all one race with Adam as our federal head who are all equally sinful and equally guilty? Or do we cast that to the wind and disregard the biblical worldview and instead promote and embrace the idea of different races that evolve differently with some being superior due simply to a certain level of melanin, as Darwin believed, by the way, one of the goals of Darwin's work on his now infamous theory was to prove that certain people, groups or races, were less evolved and that women 
were inferior. In other words, he was a racist and sexist man who was trying to use science and his theory to prove he was right to be so. Don't believe me? Read The Descent of Man. Or the full title of Origins of Species. The Origin of Species by the Means of Natural Selection. Subtitle or The Survival of Favored Races and the Struggle for Life. There's so much to unpack, but I've already gone on quite long enough. So, let's move towards the end of fault lines, shall we? Pastor Bauckham, towards the end, gives us two things to consider when trying to move forward in light of these movements. The first is that the only thing that can help with this situation, and many others in life, is forgiveness not simply our forgiveness of each other, though. Christ, his death, resurrection, and the forgiveness of our sins because we couldn't complete or uphold the law. It took a perfect sacrifice to do so. And he did that for us. The gospel is the only thing that can fix a heart problem. And this is a heart problem. The second thing Pastor Bauckham points out to help us move forward is the fact that we're not in a battle simply with people or even an ideology. We're at war with principalities and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Ephesians 6, 12. And with that in mind, it helps us have a better idea of how to fight in this war here is what, what we can learn from Scripture on the subject. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6 Always honor Christ and always be able to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do so in gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. 1 Peter 3, 15-17 We also, of course, have the armor of God. And we can't forget who we serve, and that our God is sovereign. We must remember that we fight for and with the gospel, with biblical truth and a biblical view of justice. We must hold to the truth of scripture by confronting the problem head on, defend and contend for the faith and correct with love. 
In doing so, we have the opportunity to shine a light in the darkness of this new religion or movement that the movement itself doesn't and can't ever save anyone. So, we must decide whether we are Christians holding to a biblical worldview where scripture isn't compromised, is sufficient, and is the lens we view the world through, or someone who elevates the issues of the day above scripture and inserts their views into the text to interpret the Bible through the lens of the current events instead of for what it says. And so I can't help but ask, are many who profess to be Christians denying Christ and his word for the popular religion of the day? If they are, are they even noticing? Do they know? We can't serve two masters. Professing Christians need to evaluate whether they are worshiping the Lord our God or if they're worshiping an idol created by the culture. I can't recommend fault lines enough, right now especially. I, I recommend it to anyone, especially anyone with the SBC coming up and Resolution 9 being a hot topic. I know that's in the near future, but this book is relevant. This book is well done by a man who is very smart and humbled by the issues and loves the Lord. If you would like to pick up a copy, I will make sure to put links for all of the versions in the description. Um, we also listen to the audiobook version as well. Um, I can't recommend it enough. It's needed today. So please, if you pick it up, read it through. Full context. I guess that pretty much covers it. Um, if you would like to check out an article, we, we have a write-up of the review as well um, on our website. If you'd like to check that out, I'll put a link there in case you are more of a reader versus a listener or you know someone who is if you'd like to share an article instead of a video. Um, as always, we're thankful for everyone who tunes in to these videos and happens to read these articles. We're blessed by you guys and we hope that these are helpful in some small way to whoever is listening. Go fight the good fight. Go share the gospel. That's the only thing that changes anything. <laughs>